Hello and welcome back to Kickstart Kaizen with your host Rory Hamilton. If you are new here, welcome. We are a fitness and well-being based brand focused on giving a wide variety of information on diets, training concepts, anything that may tailor towards bettering yourself as an audience in a digestible yet scientifically backed manner. So you can be more knowledgeable on all the tools you can apply to better yourself 1% every day. Today on the agenda, I wanted to talk about progressive overload, mainly because even though it's a very popular used concept in the fitness industry, some of the reasons it's so effective aren't really talked about enough. And from experience, a close relative of mine, just for some context, who has been sort of a role model to me as someone who is very big into fitness, told me the only thing you can't change in the gym is your focus and prioritization on progressive overload. It tops everything else, rep range, exercise selection. These concepts are all second to progressive overload itself. However, I didn't fully know why this was, right? So I investigated it and I experimented with it. And that's what I wanted to talk about today, to look at what I found from both experience and research. So progressive overload itself is a training method that emphasizes making small gradual increments in the overall volume of your training. To allow your body to adapt to these increments, making the body stronger, more powerful, and to improve overall muscle mass. So the first misconception about progressive overload itself is that it is not strength, gym, or bodybuilding specific. You know, it's not exclusive to those training uh, methods or ways of exercising. Because as a background, swimming was a big part of my life, and I can say the basis of our training as a team revolved around progressive overload. But the implementation of progressive overload will depend solely on your training goals and how you tailor specificity to best fit those demands themselves. So I'll go over the most effective methods, how and why they work for a few bases of training, but not all bases, right? Because then this podcast may never end. And the bases of training I want to look at are strength training and hypertrophy training. Kind of compare the differences between the two and how you can implement progressive overload to best fit your goals. So to start in strength training, progressive overload often implements increasing the weight of a certain rep range incrementally, usually falling within three to five or maybe one to five repetitions at mostly 70% of your one rep max. However, the load and rep range at which is most effective to stimulate progressive overload and further strength gains is argued. That's why I've looked at some research that has tested just that. As of the day I've actually looked over this research, the study was actually published yesterday, right? Which is kind of crazy. So advancements are still being made in this field, which I believe is nothing but positive, right? It can kind of tell us that we don't know everything that's out there and researching more and more every day is going to be nothing but beneficial to understanding what tools best apply to our goals and demands. So nevertheless, the study was conducted by Chavez and his team. The aim of this study was to compare the effects of progressive overload in resistance training, specifically comparing the impact of increasing load versus an increase in repetitions on muscle strength and cross-sectional area. Now, cross-sectional area can also be referred to as an increase in muscle size, kind of through hypertrophy and this hypertrophic process. And the study used 39 untrained subjects who underwent pre- and post-test trials of a leg extension one rep max. Now, the results showed that the difference in strength gains between load progression and rep progression groups was not significant. So, by this study, you can increase reps or load at the same rate and get equally as strong, right? 
Well, not really, because it must be highlighted that the study used untrained athletes. And if there's one thing people who have been to the gym for at least a while know, it's that beginner gains, or, you know, um, kind of a street term for that, newbie gains, are a very real concept. Because you do effectively make the most strength and muscle size progress at the beginning of your journey as your body is in full shock of the new stress put upon it and thus just adapting at a very, very quick rate. Which is also relevant to strength because evidence has shown that the principle of specificity, known as specific adaptations to impose demands, becomes more relevant based on one's level of training experience. This was shown by Warren Young and his investigation on the factors that contribute to improved or a plateau in strength and power movements. So, the real question is, what is the most effective method for progressive overload once you hit a strength plateau? To kind of put the question into numbers, Schoenfeld re-examined the repetition continuum. This proposes that the number of repetitions performed at a given magnitude of load will result in specific adaptations to the repetitions. Specifically, the theory or the repetition continuum was able to postulate that heavy load training optimizes increases in maximal strength um, and moderate load training optimizes increases in muscle hypertrophy. However, some research has disproven this theory, showing no significant changes. So, Schoenfeld created a new metric based on a very large number of studies and put it down to a more specific number. As a result, right, Schoenfeld found that the strength zone, being the most optimal number of reps for strength progressive overload, lied between 1 to 5 reps per set, falling between 80 to 100% of your tested 1 rep max. However, it should be noted that to best and most effectively string, uh, train strength over a prolonged period of time, the 60 to 80% range is actually a lot more sustainable, allowing you to recover and not get injured whilst still allowing for a, uh, effective recruitment of motor units and muscle fibers. This intensity is high enough to activate a significant portion of muscle fibers, promoting strength development. Now, that I just mentioned motor units, I should mention the process of strength before talking about why 1-5 to five repetitions is most effective for strength progressive overload. First off, when you undergo load and complete repetition, your motor unit is recruiting the smallest necessary amount of motor, uh, of motor neurons to get that weight off the floor or off your body, anything that is considered the concentric portion of the movement. When you first start lifting, you will have a low amount of motor units to recruit because your body is new to strength training. Right? And so you are, your, your fast twitch muscle fibers are also new to strength training itself. So when you engage in strength training, the nervous system learns to recruit more and more motor units, especially those motor units with, uh, consisting of larger muscle fibers. This process is known as motor unit recruitment. Initially, smaller motor units are recruited, but with increased training, larger and more powerful motor units are activated in order to meet the demands of lifting heavier weights. These larger muscle fibers are most often referenced as fast twitch muscle fibers. However, just as a little background and to make sure no one thinks that I'm not aware of this at least, it has been recently found that it's not a complete correlation, right? The size and twitch of the muscle fiber will not always be correlated exactly. But you should still know that fast twitch muscle fibers are the most beneficial for strength. This is because they contract very quickly, right? They're quick to fatigue 
however, but that's why strength training falls under a non-fatiguing rep range. As we mentioned, one to five reps wouldn't be fatiguing under strength training itself. And so moving on, in Schoenfeld's analysis, he investigated and evaluated countless studies which measured strength changes under load progression or rep progression. Right, and from this, uh, from these studies themselves, just as context, load progression patients commonly fall under sixty to eighty percent of the patient's one rep max. However, the results showed, you know, across all these studies, either no significance between rep and load progression towards one rep max improvements, or it showed a slight benefit for load progression itself. Um, it should also be noted that the most insignificant findings came from isokinetic contractions. I say this because isokinetic uh, contractions don't fall under compound movements, which the majority of the population, and I'm sure you listening, are more interested in. Furthermore, almost all of the studies which measured compound lifts in the squat, bench, or deadlift showed a significant difference. So we know strength gains are more uh, are most beneficial under load progression, you know, under the strength zone of 60 to 80% of your one rep max for one to five reps per set. But why is this? Well, it has to do with the process of motor unit recruitment that I talked about before. See, it's evident that both high rep and lower load being, you know, how close the load is to your one rep max has sufficient stimulation and motor unit recruitment. However, the motor units that are being recruited under high load compared to high rep training are very different. High load training, falling anywhere between 60 to 100% of your one rep max, recruits a large number of motor units, especially the larger and more powerful ones, which are referred to as type two muscle fibers. These can be either type two A or type two B. And for anyone who may know this or anyone that you know would like to know this, type two uh, X muscle fibers also exist but very rarely in most humans, so they won't really be necessary to investigate. Anyways, these muscle fibers contract very quickly, right? And they don't rely on oxygen processes, which means they are very quick to fatigue, but they are very responsible for short, fast, and powerful bursts of energy and power, which is, of course, the muscle fiber type most responsible for how strong you are under a load close to your strength potential. Furthermore, these fibers require more motor units to be recruited for force production itself. And to kind of prove this and how your muscle fibers are actually changeable through specific training, there have been experiments conducted on, you know, very well-seasoned athletes, high-level athletes, who have almost like an absurd ratio of slow to fast-twitch muscle fibers, right? It was kind of shown that as an average um, athletes who focused on power and anaerobic capacity training had up to 80% of their muscle fibers as fast twitch, with endurance-based athletes having upwards of 90% uh, slow twitch muscle fibers, you know, compared to fast twitch muscle fibers. And that's solely down to training specificity. As power athletes trained high rest, high load, and high intensity close to their one rep max, meaning they weren't fatiguing their muscles and training their fast twitch muscle fibers, these were kind of recruited to lead to improvements in those fast, explosive, non-fatiguing movements, such as a one rep max of a clean, snatch, or any other compounds, which is also why strength training doesn't really require you to go to failure. So let's kind of go back to progressive overload. You know, by principle, progressive overload means inc incrementally increasing training volume over time in either sets, reps, or load. But by the evidence just provided, we understand that some factors 
are more important than the other under the concept of training specificity, which is why load progression is primary to the superseding rep and set progression for uh you know strength improvements of course which brings me to understand that if you are looking for a way to progress under strength loads or strength training itself there will be many programs on the internet that you can follow right they will probably all use the strength zone but understanding why they use this zone is i believe quite important so kind of as a basis what you should be looking for within these programs is to aim to train within 60 to 80 percent of your one rep max whilst focusing on progressing the load before you progress set volume or rep volume as the progression of the load and how close you can get the load to you know your one rep max to a certain degree of comfortability and confidence will be far more beneficial for both your motor unit recruitment benefits and your neural adaptations which you know this nervous system is where all of the strength lies right because the demands of heavy lifting lead to neural adaptations improving the efficiency of the nervous system in uh, the process of recruiting motor units under high load this includes increased motor unit synchronization and improved rate coding as well as the muscle fibers which the motor unit is responsible for activating with you know which correct training specificity will be fast twitch muscle fibers and you want those muscle fibers to develop as efficiently as possible right so if you can't guess high load progression is going to be more beneficial for neural adaptations than high rep or high set progression you know for strength because of those adaptations that come from your own training specificity because you can think of it as you know whatever you progress your brain will specifically develop what you're practicing, what you're developing in relation to your own body's nervous system. So with the other characteristics being secondary, and kind of what I mean by this is if you focus on progressing how many reps you can do with a certain load, your nervous system will learn to perform more reps without fatiguing, right? But if you focus on progressing the load, you can handle under a specific rep range, you know, a fixed rep range, your nervous system will begin to adapt and learn how to handle the load itself, not learn how to perform more reps of the load itself without fatiguing, right? And th that becomes more of an aerobic capacity. That's why I believe training under a fixed load and set volume, no, not fixed load, and uh, uh, a fixed set and rep volume, which you stick to on a weekly basis, whilst incrementally increasing the load, may be the most beneficial form of strength-based progressive overload. And a plan that implements this, which I found personally beneficial because I've uh, underwent this plan numerous times, is the 531 program, which is very simple and promotes performing three sets of five reps on one session, followed by three sets of three reps on another session, and finally followed by three sets of five, three, and one repetitions per set, you know, exclusively, right? And then finishing off the cycle with a much needed deload. And you repeat this four to six session cycle with how with however much rest your body needs. You know, this will probably be between three to five minutes, but you incrementally increase the load by 2.5 kilograms each time you recycle the four-day cycle itself. It might be quite hard to wrap your head around what I just described, but if you do want to look at it, just search up the 531 program, you know, 5-3-1 program online and get a visual, 
you know, understanding of what it is and hopefully it will make a bit more sense. So this program essentially implements all metrics of strength progressive overload whilst ensuring you are resting and recovering. As the plan kind of falls under 60 to 80% of your one rep max the majority of the time, however, once a cycle, it will test your 95% of your current one rep max with this load going up cycle by cycle. This really stimulates fast twitch muscle fiber motor unit recruitment without risk of in injury, which is also very important in, uh, and not really talked about enough when people talk about progressive overload. So even if you knew the strength zone, you knew, you know, one to five reps and 60 to 80% of your one rep max is most effective. Hopefully you learned why those ranges exist in the first place, right? And why they are valid for you to continue or start using and applying these ranges for your own goals. Okay, now let's talk hypertrophy. Okay, so just to quickly skim over the concept of hypertrophy, it just refers to an increase in skeletal muscular tissue size, right? It's just about how the process of you prioritizing muscle size over muscular strength and using Schoenfeld's meta-analysis and his new repetition continuum, it can allow, uh, allow us to define what rep range and load range will be best for progressive overload implementation for hypertrophy. So in Schoenfeld's repetition continuum, 8 to 12 repetitions are considered ideal for hypertrophy. And the concept of a hypertrophy zone is kind of consistent with anecdotal evidence that bodybuilders generally train with moderate loads, right? Moderate loads which allow for athletes to complete around 8 to 12 full repetitions are usually considered superior for muscle growth because acute research has shown greater post-exercise elevations in anabolic hormones when training in a moderate repetition range. But these hormonal spikes cannot be used to create a certainty on the science behind why moderate loads are deemed superior for muscle growth. This is because um, anabolic hormones and these hormonal spikes will not be a cause and effect relationship towards, you know, muscle size growth, right? They're not a cause and effect relationship towards these hypertrophic processes. So more research was conducted, and the research measured muscle protein synthesis to an exercise bout at differing loading zones. In this regard, research on the topic has produced inconsistent results. This means that moderate loading isn't optimal for muscle growth. Well, it doesn't really mean that, because in all of this research, there has been one explanatory, explanatory variable for muscle growth processes and how we stimulate hypertrophy. And this process is level of effort. Specifically, research measured anabolic processes with light loads across a group which lifted weights well short of any fatigue, in which the results demonstrated anabolic impairment. Anabolic impairment is, put simply, a process that counteracts muscle growth, as we want to stimulate anabolic processes, you know, an anabolic hormonal development, not impairment, for muscle growth itself. Um, research also indicates that training with a high level of effort, close if not fully to strength failure, is particularly critical for maximizing hypertrophy in low load training. But studies are consistently not able to identify, uh, you know, a very large difference between light, moderate and heavy load training towards stimulated hypertrophy. Some studies showed similar size, uh, muscle size gain in, you know, groups who conducted 8 to 12 repetitions compared to those who conducted upwards of 25 repetitions. But why is this, right? And what does it mean? 
Well, the reason for this has to do with muscle fiber type. We know high load training trains, you know, primarily type 2B muscle fibers and some type 2A muscle fibers and their ability, you know, the ability of these muscle fibers to synthesize with the motor unit recruitment process to exert more power. But high load, low rep training also increases the size of these muscle fibers. And across our body, in all muscle sites, we have a combination of type 1, type 2A, and type 2B muscle fibers. So if you primarily train with high loads, your hypertrophic processes will come from type 2B, you know, or some type 2A muscle fiber enlargement. But training in the moderate to low load section will lead to type 2A and some type 1 muscle fiber enlargement. So how many reps you do doesn't matter. Well... I still believe it does, and this is why, because 8 to 12 repetitions is optimal to ensure you're going to muscular failure, but not wasting your workout and fatiguing your nervous system too early. This is because um, in terms of level of effort, moderate loads typically allow for a high repetition range before reaching failure. Because when you use very high loads, you know, low repetitions with heavy weights, the fatigue generated with each repetition is a lot more significant, right? And failure bit may be reached more quickly due to a lack of strength rather than actual muscular failure. Because on the other hand, moderate loads allow for a greater number of repetitions, this kind of contributes to cumulative muscular uh, fatigue over a more extended period of time. As well as that, very high loads can induce greater stress on the central nervous system. This also leads to fatigue because the central nervous system plays a role in coordinating muscle contractions. And when it fatigues, it can impact the ability to generate force, potentially limiting the number or amount of reps performed. Right? This essentially kind of means that your brain fails before your body does. But what must be highlighted most is that form is a lot easier to maintain under moderate loads. You know, this avoids ego lifting and potential injuries in that pursuit of one final repetition under a very heavy load. As for why moderate loads is more optimal than light loads, it mainly comes down to not wasting your time at the gym, along with the anaerobic and aerobic processes that come from moderate loads, which are more optimal for hypertrophy and general strength in comparison to, you know, exclusively aerobic processes once reaching the threshold of upwards of 25 repetitions, you know, or even more. So with this knowledge, how should you implement progressive overload for hypertrophy? Well, I would recommend using a low volume approach. I say this, but volume is still unique for everyone. You know, some people respond well to high volume, some respond well to low volume. But for quality of training, I would recommend two sets of two sets each of, you know, around five exercises per session. I find this to be kind of the ideal amount of time for both sufficient stimulation of the muscle without accumulating fatigue, you know, within the entire workout towards the end of the session, which, you know, impairs overall training effort and your will to be there as a whole. So within these two sets to progressively overload, start with a weight you can complete, you know, eight times um, with proper form or at least close to failure in this respect as well. Then each session aim for one more rep than the session before. And once you are able to complete 12 repetitions of that given weight, increase the load and then go back to completing eight repetitions and then repeat the cycle continuously without changing your exercises and ensuring you are going to muscular fatigue or at least close, right? It's just making sure you're maintaining a very high level of effort and intensity. 
This will kind of ensure you are challenging your body every session to get stronger within a certain rep range that is optimal for hypertrophy, in turn increasing muscle growth. Now personally, I do love this process because it kind of allows you to go into the gym with a goal to beat your past sessions lifts by just one rep. And this goal and this kind of approach to going into the gym, knowing what you need to do to make it a successful session will make your sessions higher quality, more sustainable, and I believe a lot more fun. You know, they, they maintain a lot more purpose under this kind of progressive overload. And this is kind of why Progressive overload is the most important thing in the gym. For both the physical and men mental benefits, it kind of introduces, right? But how you implement progressive overload to fit your goals, whether that is strength or hypertrophy, should be explored and experimented with. Hopefully in mind, you know, with what research I've synthesized and the points I've provided, hopefully you have learned something that can you know help you go into the gym with a higher more specific purpose and making sure you are getting better one percent each day in your respective pursuit of excellence you know whatever you want to improve whatever your goals are and so with that i say thank you for listening to kickstart kaizen and i hope you continue listening to this podcast